welcome everybody once again it's time for another episode of wvu marketing communications today brought to you by the good folks at west virginia university's marketing communications online graduate programs as we try and explore as we always do the unique marcom strategies that will help you inform persuade and inspire your audience with the host I think she does it the best. There's a lot of hosts here, but she always inspires me, at least. Uh, Susan Jones. Welcome, Susan. You're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> <laughs> I am so pleased to welcome our guest today, Todd Meisner. I'm going to tell you why in a minute, but the other thing is this guy knows the Aflac duck personally, and wow. we'll get into how that is the case. Todd, we're so glad you're here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You are going to destroy all our illusions here because you're telling us that social media, because it's free, it can solve all our sales and marketing goals. No, no way, Jose. (laughs) Digital marketing in 2020 requires a strong brand messaging architecture and paid media strategy. Anybody that thought social media, they were just going to throw out all their other marketing plans and be all set, you're going to tell us that's not the case. But before we get into that, Tell us about your personal relationship with the Aflac duck. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. So I have met the Aflac duck. I'm the associate brand manager um, on the brand and advertising team, and I manage Aflac social media strategy. And so obviously as part of that, I have interactions with the duck for social campaigns, for TV campaigns. He is quite the celebrity, that's for sure. That's for sure. What a character he is. I just yeah. love his story and how he let let the whole world know what Aflac means. Aflac! <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. well, I'm proud. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you're going to talk to us about brand messaging architecture. What is that, and why would you say that's so important? Sure, and this is, you know, it, my, my philosophies on this have adapted over the years as I've worked in social. And so just for a quick reset, I've worked in social on the, you know, as a, as a marketing professional since it was kind of the days of the wild, wild west, talking 2008, 2009, when, when MySpace was still around. And so it was kind of there, and it was free, and nobody knew what to, what to do with it. Um, and thankfully, we've evolved over the last 10 plus years, and now it can be a really powerful marketing tool in your tool belt if structured correctly if tied into the right strategy and you know from my standpoint i feel like that has to tie into your larger brand and marketing ecosystem and so your brand messaging architecture and so you know this not one size fits all but uh but a model of it can be taken from a slide deck i may have and you could then translate it to your company internally but in essence it's what is that main brand message? What are we trying to get across? What's our brand ambition? Then that next layer is who are we trying to get this across to? If you're working in any level of marketing, social or otherwise, who is our persona? Who's our target audience? Who needs to hear this message? And then from there, build out your messaging architecture. Do some quant and qual research and find insights and then build around those insights. What are our consumers wanting to know? How do we solve those problems and answer those questions? So it's, it's thinking big picture and thinking strategically And I think people lose sight of that. I think a lot of social managers today are, what are we posting on Facebook today? Did we get three posts on Twitter yesterday? They think really, really tactical because social does move really quick. And Facebook can be a fire hose. Twitter can be a fire hose. I think the folks that are in the day-to-day get lost in that and are worried about the how did we post today and how many posts did we have. 
and they don't kind of take a step back and breathe and say, how is this laddering up to our business goals? How is this laddering up to our brand promise or brand architecture? And really it comes down to let's think about the what's and the why's first. And the, the how's can take care of themselves. The how's will fall into place. If we look big picture and we think what and why, that builds the case for social being a part of that, that holistic marketing plan. Social can have a nice piece in there, but it's not the piece. It's not the strategy. It's a piece of the whole puzzle. Got it. Yes. This actually would give your social media people in the trenches something to hold on to, something to measure what they're going to do and say, does this really fit? As opposed to just saying, well, what's what looks good today? Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, again, I think a lot of people, I say a lot of people, that's, that's probably a broad stroke there. But you see bigger brands, you see folks with a lot of following, and they're, they're posting memes, and they're jumping on trends, and they're being a little snarky, or they're jumping in waters that not every brand can go to or not every social profile can go to. I think that's where people go astray. They really need Got to it. stay grounded in what are our business goals? What are we trying to do as a, a business organization? Are we a sales organization? Are we um, a technology platform? What, what are we trying to do? What matters to the company at large? And how does social amplify that and not get caught up in, you know, snarky memes and the brand wars and trying to be <laughs> clever as Wendy's and different stuff like that? And I, I think that gives people pause and it makes them like, ah, I don't, what can I post today that's going to be really clever or what if I do something wrong and then it, and then it gets, and then it gets, you know, extrapolated out there with, you know, on social. And I think you can't focus on those things that won't happen if you have a foundation built in what are our business goals and how we solve the problems for our consumers. If you're there for your consumers on social. And I always say this to, to my students, answering questions, solving problems, being a resource. If you're a resource on social and they trust you, you're building up brand equity like you are TV commercials or with whatever advertising you're doing. So social ties into that same you know, brand reputation, the brand architecture. You know, rising tide lifts all boats. Social can be a piece to, to, to rise all those and have consumers trust you and ultimately do what you want them to do. So is it to buy your product? Is it to, you know, schedule a demo? Like what's important to you this quarter or this year? And social can help amplify that. That's great. Now, um, just a little bit of a follow-up. You mentioned um, answering questions, and I know some uh, brands have problems because people go on to what they consider to be their happy and upbeat Facebook page or other social media page and start asking customer service questions or saying bad things about their customer service experience. How do you deal with that? It all goes back to having the right plans in place. So I've been fortunate or maybe unfortunate, whatever lens you want to look, look through it or look through it to, is um, yeah, I've been a part of building these social response plans. If someone says something, quote, unquote, bad, how is that escalated? Who handles it? Because at the end of the day, it, it's unfair to expect every social media manager on the front line to also have to be a customer service rep. Um, right. You know, in some roles, maybe that's part of the deal. At Aflac, we work with an agency who is, um, you know, responsible for our, cons um, we call it customer engagement, not so much community management anymore, but community engagement, customer engagement. So they're responding good, bad, and otherwise. But if it comes to a, uh, you know, a policy complaint or they're having trouble with some of our tech or something's not going right, I don't expect my agency community manager to have all those answers. But we've built a plan 
and we built it with other cross-functional folks internally, mainly the customer service team that says, okay, if we get a comment on social, we tell them to, here's a number to call and here's an inbox to take it to. So that's always been priority number one, get it off social. You can go round and round and round with people on Facebook or Twitter, whatever, right. what's that really solving? Get it offline, get it into people that can handle it, and hopefully within a quick enough manner for issues resolved. And especially if you get it in the hands of the customer service people who are trained to handle it quickly and correctly, that normally happens. But to say all that, to say it doesn't happen without a good plan and a good strategy and a good structure. And there's lots of good examples out there. I have examples as well, but it's build that plan and build it all the way to the like emergency scenario in hopes you never use it, but have it there. So in case that it happens, your team's ready to go, where to send it, where to take it, and how to get that consumer taken care of. And that's what social's brought about. Consumers want to be heard from quickly. They go right. to social because they know they could sit on hold on the phone, but if I blast something on social, you're probably going to respond within five or ten minutes. They probably want it quicker than that. But you know, <laughs> for larger brands and larger companies, that's about the right service level. And then what you do with it from there, we try to get it into the right people's hands that are trained to do that. There probably are some social folks out there who have to be customer service and brand and this and that. They can wear a lot of hats. I recognize that. I'll just use a generic term, but in a good structure, that doesn't all fall on your social media team or your social manager's team. Some of those customer service issues, you need to have some other frontline support somewhere else within the company. But going all the way back, don't be afraid to respond. I think a lot of folks are afraid, oh, we get bad comments, we take them down. That's probably worse mm -hmm. than not saying anything. And you can't ignore folks either because they're going to keep coming at you. So thinking right. you can put your head in the sand as a solution doesn't work. It's as simple <laughs> as have a good plan and get them offline. Get them into email, get them talking to someone on the phone, let them hash it out there, and don't put it on this free public forum that can really, could turn out bad if you have a customer service rep going tet for tet you know, on Facebook. Get them on yeah, the phone, get them on sure. email, and take care of it. <laughs> Let's talk about the need for social marketers to be thought leaders. And that, again, it takes it off that tactical plane. Talk a little bit about social media leaders as thought leaders. Sure. I think that all begins with having the visibility and the transparency and the, and the role on your team, that you're aware of what are the big brand foundations, company foundations, what is the company trying to accomplish I think social managers have done a good job over the last few years of fighting for um, better visibility internally, asking the right questions. So I, I'm a big fan of just ask questions. Be in that meeting, first of all, and then when you're in there, take notes and ask questions and kind of be that sponge. And then from there, when you know what the big rock problems are for your company, you can then say, okay, how in my narrow lane, for lack of a better term, how in social can I help solve these problems? And how do I paint that picture that it can't solve them all, but it might be able to solve one, or it might be able to solve mm -hmm. two, or we can help solve two, and we can you know, move some levers in a couple different other areas via you know, uh, something we can do on social, whether it's a campaign or a piece of content or whatever. That's how you show that leadership. Own your space own that you're comfortable working in social. You've been working in social. You know the ins and outs. You know what might work for brand X isn't going to work for you. You know, And that goes back to don't be afraid to push that we're not going to start posting memes. You know, that doesn't work. You know, we're a university or we're something else. Know what your that brand essence is 
and then carry that over into social. You can't be everything to everybody. Just like when you're looking at your audience and your personas and they say, who's your targeted persona? Your answer shouldn't be everybody. You, know, you can't be everybody to everything. So don't be afraid right. to own all those things and be, be comfortable on that. Social is different, still new to a lot of C-levels, especially. If you get into that C-level meeting or you advocate for that, be confident that you're the social expert and you're the social person and always then tie it back to business goals. If you can end up speaking business goals to the C-level folks, that's golden because then you're speaking their language. They may yes. they may not know exactly the, the hows again, but if you can speak the what's and the whys, that's your recipe for success right there. With that in mind, I know that the C-suite is always looking for those KPIs, key performance indicators. How can you use social media to meet some of those goals and what would be some that you might look at? Great question. And again, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. But at the same time, there are some KPIs that are pretty sticky, I guess, in social that can show you're making an impact. We have three main KPIs that we're trying to move from a brand level at AFLAC. And from brand and advertising for us, it's not so much bottom funnel, it's a lot more top of funnel. To, to your point, we've had the quacking AFLAC duck for 20 years, and we would like right. to keep that brand visibility. So when it comes to social, how is the duck visible? But then how do we maybe go a level deeper and try to crack the nut around knowledge. So people know we have a duck that says Aflac, what do they do? And mm -hmm. so from my standpoint, we are trying to put out culturally relevant edutainment, as we like to call it, edutaining content. Mm -hmm. So it's telling people what Aflac does in 15 to 30 seconds, usually 15, we're, we've tightened it down that far on social these days, but we're edutaining them with, so it's breakthrough content but saying helps with expenses, health insurance doesn't cover, or whatever your tagline is or your mnemonic is. Right. And then right. from there, since we're running mostly video content, we've made some correlations. So we, we have invested with our Facebook partners to run a brand list study. So that's a six-figure investment. So we can survey folks, have you seen our content in the last X amount of days, yes or no? Mm -hmm. We need to take a short break, and then I'll be sure. back with a few more questions for you. And we just want to remind you, as always, that today's program uh, is brought to you by the good folks at West Virginia's new Digital Marketing Communications Master's Degree Program. It's fully online and can be completed in just a year. With built-in certifications from platforms like Google and Facebook, the program gives you both the strategy and skills you need to reach audiences on existing and emerging media like we're talking about today. Learn more at Marketing Communications, that's plural, marketingcommunications.wvu.edu. And one more reminder, as we've said before, that uh, this year's famous Integrate Conference, which is usually held down in beautiful West Virginia University uh, campus down in, uh, I think it's Huntington, uh, West Virginia. And where is it at? Where's the campus? Morgantown. Morgantown. Why do I think it's Huntington? Okay, Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, that uh, has moved online like so many conferences. You'll see marketing communications experts from a variety of industries who are exploring how and what to say during these unprecedented times. You can view the schedule and tune in to the live virtual sessions at integrate.wvu.com. 
Edu, and I know there's a number of them coming up. I think there's one coming up uh, early August, in fact, here. I'll have to go back and look. But So you don't have to travel all the way to Morgantown. As beautiful as Morgantown is, you can just sit in your own safe and secure online connection and still integrate at the Integrate Conference this year. Okay, back to Susan. How far away is Huntington from Morgantown? And why did I confuse the two here? Are no, they... I don't know. I usually only go as far as Morgantown, which is about an hour outside of Pittsburgh. Ah, there you go. Okay, all right. <laughs> West Virginia geography is not my strong suit. Do you seat. fly to Pittsburgh and then drive down to Morgantown? Is that what you do? Yeah, right. That's how you get So right. I just wanted to say that next Integrate item, I was just looking at it today. It's going to be fascinating. It's about sports marketing in a time wow. when sports aren't happening. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you keep the fans engaged? Yeah. I thought that was a great topic. That would be fascinating. I think it's wild watching the few games I've seen where they actually have fake fans in the stand. Yes and running around trying to get them excited. I can picture the Affleck duck running around uh, the uh, stadium trying to get everybody excited, these cardboard cutouts here. It's a crazy world. Just another little commercial. Both Todd Meisner and myself will be teaching in that new digital marketing communications masters. Yes, shameless self-promotion. Yeah. Well, I have to ask both of you then, have you had to rip up the course? Has it made you rewrite the rules here these days? I'll tell you, the course that I'm doing is brand new. There's no course to rip up. It's um, <laughs> customer engagement and ethics. And so oh, I'm ethics. writing wow. that from scratch, doing all the research. And I found two books to use, so it's been quite a process. Ethics? There's Pretty no easy. ethics in marketing? Come on. That's, uh, I didn't study that in Marketing 101 here. <laughs> well, you got to go back to school now. I'm all sorry. Right. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to Todd. And one of the things that you mentioned to me was the importance of social media being a trusted resource. That seems pretty obvious, but how and why is that the case, Todd? And how can we make that happen? Great question, and it sounds like a broken record. Nothing's one size fits all, but I think for most brands, what is that brand ambition? What are you selling or what do you offer? And how do you make that easy to get for your consumers? And if they run some obstacles along the way or run into some obstacles or have some questions, how are you there as a brand to make that transaction easier and more go more smoothly? There's a lot of layers there. Is that lead nurturing emails? Is it social? Is it giving them a demo? Like, you know, kind of where are they at in that journey to purchase? And how can you as a brand always be there? But if you're there, if you're there with empathy and care and show that you truly want to help, then they'll trust you. And as you build that trust, Hopefully, trust then leads to purchase. And that's a delicate dance that brands try to do to, to get to that ultimate, hey, buy from us or do business with us. And then there's a lot, again, because there's a lot of layers, social's a small piece of that. But if you're working closely with your other internal partners that are, if you're on the team that also does email and does some of those things I mentioned, great. If those are kind of siloed, we talked earlier about being a subject matter expert, you be that person that engages in those conversations across the company to say, hey, we need to do this better because we got to gain the trust. There can't be a gap in this funnel or this purchasing process because then people might be a little leery. But if we're there for them and we answer their questions, they're more than likely to, again, do what we want them to do, purchase from us, what have you. And trust you, which is so yeah. key with a brand. You could lose that trust very quickly. It's important it to build it takes a lot of time. It. To build that trust, it takes a lot of time to build that trust, and it takes one small misstep, and it can all be gone. And that's right. the, that's that's the tough reality. 
Yes. Another question has to do with organic social media, and I think it kind of came as a shock to some marketers that when they put something out on Facebook, it doesn't immediately go to the feed of every single one of their followers. Shock, shock. That leads us to paid social media. Tell us a little bit about whether the role of organic social media today and the role of paid social media. Great question. And I, you know, I have a, a deck that I've been presenting recently, and it, it's more to get eyeballs' attention to the to the phrase than the, than the, bluntly as it says it. But I say it bluntly in bold text: organic social media is dead. And I usually, um, you know, draw some stares and raises some eyebrows. And really, what I mean by that is. Organic is dead from a standpoint of, for most brands, moving the needle or having a business impact. So all the way back to your first few questions there, organic probably not going to move very many levers for you anymore. Because it's free, it doesn't mean it's easy. Because it's free, it doesn't mean, to your point too, it doesn't show up in everybody's feed. I think there's people who still don't get that feeds aren't chronological. And so you have to, as that subject matter expert, build a case for paid social support. So what paid campaigns or what can we invest in? What content are we confident in we need to invest in to put paid behind it? Because that's where you can guarantee your audience is seeing You're paying for impressions. You're paying for clicks. You're paying for what matters. You're buying those eyeballs. That's advertising 101. You want to make money, you got to spend money. And where are those days in social? It's pay for play. To, to be successful on Facebook, you have to have some sort of paid strategy. To be successful on Instagram, which is Facebook, you have to have some sort of paid strategy. So when I say organic is dead, I mean it's dead from that standpoint of really being impactful and really being able to show your C-suite that you can be impactful with social. So that's not saying you don't post organically. Something needs to be in your feed. Something needs to be there when they go visit, or at least for most people. I'll use, um, I think it was Apple as an example. Last week when there was that Twitter hack, Apple never, Apple has a Twitter account. They've never tweeted once until they got hacked last week. They're using <laughs> Twitter as a completely paid social channel. Nothing posted to their feed, but it's all paid ads trying to get people to, you know, I think we're all pretty indoctrinated by Apple, but still they're using Twitter as that paid amplification channel and putting nothing out organically until they got hacked. Um, but I say that to say not many brands can totally get away with being 100% having a feed that's dark, but just going, going ads. So you can take your paid content and repurpose it for organic. You can post once or twice a week on Facebook to keep the feed active or what, whatever your audience kind of needs. And that's different for everyone based, based that on your data. But if you think you can survive or you can float a social media strategy to the C-suite without asking for paid dollars, you're just setting yourself up for failure right? because right. you you won't be able to move needles. If you say you can without paid media and you're ultimately going to fail, you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure. It's a delicate balance again. And, and I'm not sure the audience for this podcast, but when I was in a, given a speech yesterday, it was to mostly PR and communicators. They usually don't have the same sort of budgets as me on someone who's on branded advertising. And so I fielded a lot of questions about how to delicately ask or money, because that can be a hard conversation. But told them the reality is you're going to have to ask. It's 2020, and you're going to have to have some paid amplification with your content. Absolutely. Todd, it's been so great to have you with us today. Todd Meisner is with Aflac, and he is 
a thought leader in social media and at his company, and a new faculty member for the DMC program at West Virginia University, which I'm very thrilled to say. So, Todd, thank you so much for being with us today. You bet. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Okay, I did too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another great episode of West Virginia University's Marketing Communications Today program brought to you live from the campus of West Virginia University, a weekly program that explores the unique Marcom strategies that will help you inform, persuade, and inspire your audiences.